Hi, my name's Taya, and I'm a member here at St. Peter's Fireside. Wherever you are, it's great to have you joining us. So before we begin, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for being with us wherever we are right now. And we thank you for your word and how you speak to us through it. I pray that you would um, stir our hearts, that we would hear you this morning through these words. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you start to feel like an Olympian on the way there, it's going to be a tough row back. I remember someone telling me this once, and it stuck with me. This thought came back to me recently when I was at my cabin. It's on one of the local islands. And one of the things I like to do when I'm up there is take the rowboat out. But even on a particularly sunny day, the wind plays a huge role in how easy or difficult it is to row. When you're rowing against the wind, it feels like you're going absolutely nowhere. The disciples found themselves in a similar position in Matthew 14. Let's look at how they ended up there. The disciples are with Jesus in the middle of a huge crowd of people. They saw Jesus take five loaves of bread and two fish and feed the entire crowd. There were even 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. And while the disciples are collecting these baskets, they must have been completely amazed. After this, Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake. So here we find the disciples in a boat in the middle of a lake in the middle of the night. Let's look at our passage again in Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Immediately, he, that is Jesus, made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. In this passage, we'll look at Jesus' presence, Peter's response, and Jesus' response to Peter. So, Jesus' presence, Peter's response, and Jesus' response. Jesus, Peter, Jesus. As we go through each scene, we'll explore this main idea. Jesus invites us to step out and cry out. We'll see in Jesus' presence that Peter is able to do both. So let's take a closer look at what's going on in this passage. First, we come to Jesus' presence. It's powerful, but it's also reassuring. Let's first look at Jesus' power. So the disciples are in a boat. 
Jesus is on the shore. Now, the disciples had all traveled in boats before, especially since some of them were actually former fishermen. So setting out in a boat wasn't a new thing for them. But on this particular night, they were definitely not feeling like Olympians at all because the wind was against them. It says in verse 24, the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves. A long way is also many stadia. One stadia is about 185 meters. Now there's a great website I found that compares standard measurements of things to things in real life. To put this in perspective, it's the same length as the Seattle Space Needle, or it's just a little shorter than two soccer fields, or it's about the same length as 30 giraffes stacked on top of each other. So the disciples' boat is now 60, maybe even 90 giraffes away from land. It was toward the end of the night. The disciples, by this time, are probably exhausted. They've had a long day with crowds and then almost an entire night of rowing in difficult conditions. And they really weren't getting as far as they hoped to very quickly. So whether Jesus could see their boat or not, he knew what kind of weather the disciples were facing. And at this point, when it's dark, the sun might be starting to come up, Jesus walks out on the water to his disciples. Now, it's easy to read right over this verse without stopping to consider what's really happening. I found myself doing this as I was reading this passage. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them, walking on the sea. Jesus walked out on the water to the disciples in the boat. Not just a few steps, but a long way, possibly a whole track's length around. That's 400 meters. Jesus didn't calm the wind or the waves before he did this. He simply stepped out on the water and walked to them. It's pretty incredible if you think about it. We see that Jesus has the ability to walk on water. But at this point, you might be wondering, well, why? Why does that matter? Why did Jesus choose to walk on water? There probably must have been boats that Jesus could have taken, or he could have waited till the next morning and asked someone to take him across. Ever since Jesus called the disciples to follow him, he kept showing them more and more of who he was. The disciples had seen him heal people, drive out demons, multiply food, and they'd actually seen him calm the wind and waves before. In Matthew chapter 8, we read, The disciples were with Jesus in a boat in the middle of a storm. The disciples were afraid, and they woke Jesus up. They asked Jesus to save them. And Jesus rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. So the disciples had actually witnessed Jesus control waters and quiet winds before. But walking on the water, well, that was something new. When he calmed the storm, Jesus showed his control over all creation. When he walks on the water to the disciples, Jesus displays even more of who he is. Not only can he control the wind and the waves, but he can actually walk on water. The disciples knew that no ordinary person could do something like that. The disciples knew only God could do something like that. 
When the disciples saw Jesus' power over the seas, it may have sparked a memory for them. Matthew tells us that Jesus came to the disciples in the fourth watch of the night. That could be sometime between 3 and 6 a.m. So the sun is just starting to come up. This is the same time God saved the Israelites through the Red Sea in the book of Exodus. Exodus 14 says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord, in the pillar of fire and of cloud, looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw them into a panic. So the Israelites walked on dry land, right through the Red Sea in the middle of the night. By the morning watch, all the Israelites are safe on the other side. The disciples are in a boat. Jesus walks out to them in the last watch of the night. Like Moses, Jesus has power over the wind and the waves. But Jesus doesn't need dry land to walk on. Jesus walks on the water. The same power God displayed through Moses is in Jesus. In Jesus, we see the power of God. When the disciples saw Jesus calm the waves for the first time, they asked, what sort of man is this that even winds and sea obey him? But when Jesus walks on the water, their response goes deeper. The disciples instead worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This new experience with Jesus allows the disciples to know him in an even deeper way. And they start to slowly realize that God himself is there with them. Just take a minute to think about that. Consider that the very same Jesus who controls wind and waves and all of creation is not only present with us, but loves us and is calling us to him. So Jesus' power reveals his identity, that he is the son of God. But this story also reveals another aspect of Jesus, his reassuring presence. Let's look back at our passage. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. The disciples, for whatever reason, don't recognize Jesus at first. This could be because they're so exhausted, or it could be the fact that it's still dark out. But we have to remember that the disciples have never seen anything like this before. They can't make sense of this figure that's walking towards them, and they respond in fear. They don't expect it to be Jesus. I'd probably have a similar reaction if I were sitting in the boat with them. It's not like you're sitting in the boat in the middle of the night expecting someone to walk on the water to you. That thought has never come to me when I've been in my rowboat before. But Jesus actually shows up. He sees that the disciples are frustrated and exhausted, and he comes to them. And then Jesus speaks to them. 
He says, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. The disciples say, it's a ghost. And Jesus says, take heart. Jesus first addresses their fear. Another way to say take heart is take courage or it's all right. Jesus sees the disciples' fear and he meets them in it. He speaks to them gently. He reassures them that they don't have to be afraid. Jesus uses this same statement with other people too. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus tells a paralyzed man, take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. He tells a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years, take heart, daughter, your faith has healed you. Jesus sees these people in their hurt and in their pain. He sees their hesitancy and their fear, and he offers his reassuring presence. Now, Jesus doesn't say there's no reason to be afraid, but Jesus actually puts himself in the middle of their fear. He brings a new perspective to their situation. R.T. France says it like this, Take heart is an assurance for those who have good reason for fear. It does not indicate that the crisis is not real, but that in the presence of Jesus, fear can be dismissed. Jesus doesn't minimize the disciples' reasons for being afraid, but he gives them comfort through his presence. Jesus says, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. The reason that the disciples can take heart is because Jesus is with them. Jesus is in control of the wind and the waves. Jesus walked on water and demonstrated his power, a power the disciples were actually afraid of. But Jesus says, it's okay, it's me, you know me, you don't have to be afraid. Jesus sees their fear and he cares for them by reassuring them of his presence. In your moments of fear, Jesus wants to reassure you that he is present with you in that. There are many things that we might be afraid of right now. You might be worried about what's going to happen at the end of the summer. You might be worried about the best way to continue when we're in the middle of an ongoing pandemic. You may even be worried about encountering Jesus himself. But know Jesus' presence is powerful and reassuring. It's both strong and safe. Jesus says to you, take heart, daughter. Take heart, son. I am with you. Now we come to Peter. Up to this point, none of the disciples are named individually. It's Peter who is the first to respond to Jesus. We read, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Peter just witnessed Jesus walking on water. He saw Jesus' power, and now in Jesus' presence, he responds. But what motivates Peter to step out of the boat? It's possible that he desires to experience some of Jesus' power, or he wants to demonstrate his faith? Either way, Peter asks Jesus to call him, and Jesus gives him the invitation. Come, 
he says. And Peter steps out of the boat and starts walking toward him. I wonder how Peter was feeling, taking his first step out of the boat, realizing that his feet didn't sink. It was like he was standing on something solid. What would that feel like? And then realizing that not only had he seen Jesus' power, but Jesus' power was actually at work in him. Peter was, at that moment, participating in the power of Jesus. So he steps forward and walks on the water toward Jesus. It must have felt incredible. The disciples respond to Jesus' display of power, but Peter actually goes a step further, literally. His response to seeing Jesus on the water is to try it for himself. If we look back at our passage, it doesn't say that Jesus had calmed the wind or the waves at this point. So does Peter notice them when he first steps out of the boat? Does he scan the water and calculate the risk? Peter knows what the wind and the waves can do, but that isn't what he's worried about. It's not the focus of his thoughts. Peter sees Jesus standing before him on the water, and he hears him say, come. Jesus' power and his assurance prompt Peter to step out of the boat. As he walks to Jesus, Peter begins to look around. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Right after Peter experiences the thrill of walking on the water, his thinking changes. He isn't confident that he can get to Jesus. He starts to waver and he begins to sink. Peter saw Jesus' power in front of him and with him. He had Jesus' invitation and reassurance and yet he can't make it to Jesus. So what happened? Peter let his view of the wind and the waves get in the way of his view of Jesus. He let his knowledge of the wind's power shadow his knowledge of Jesus' power. Peter was doing it. He was walking on the water, yet his fears overwhelmed him. I've had the same reaction as Peter at different times in my life. There have been times when my fear has gotten in the way of me seeing Jesus clearly. Has that ever happened to you? I think of it like when you're standing on a suspension bridge and then you start to walk across it. You have no reason to doubt it because you're already on it. There's no problem. But then there's a point about halfway across where you start to think about how far down the water actually is and you start to notice how small the cables look and how much the bridge is shaking. You begin to question things. You start to wonder if you really are safe on this bridge and you begin to lose sight of your destination. You start to get lost in the fears that are spiraling through your head. You lose faith in your ability to get across. But most of all, you no longer trust what is supporting you. You stop trusting the bridge. Peter's fear of the wind undermines his trust in Jesus. He stopped trusting the bridge. He cries out to Jesus, Lord, save me. We might start to think that Peter completely lost any faith at this point when he started to sink. But notice 
Peter cries out to Jesus. He believed that Jesus had the power to save him. In his fear and in his desperation, he is still aware that Jesus is with him. And so he cries out to him. When we cry out to God, we acknowledge that he's powerful and he's with us. We might not know where he is in our distress, and we don't know how he's going to respond, but we still show that we trust him when we cry out to him. We declare that God is near and God hears us. Have you cried out to God? Maybe it's when you failed. Maybe you needed help. Or maybe it was from a place of frustration or fear. Maybe you've done this recently. Maybe it hasn't been for a long time. Or maybe you've never done that at all. I certainly have. And in these times when I didn't trust him enough to continue stepping forward, I felt myself sinking. But I cried out to him. I still trusted that he was there. And I trusted that he had the power to save me. Like Peter, our cries are a mix of faith and doubt, but we willingly step out even if we have a wavering trust. When we do step out, we can take comfort in knowing God's going to respond to us, just as he responded to Peter, with power and reassurance, with strength and gentleness. Lastly, Jesus responds to Peter. There are two parts to Jesus' response. First, Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him. Jesus takes hold of Peter and saves him. Psalm 18 says, He reached down from on high and took hold of me. He drew me out of deep waters. In this picture, we see both God's power and his gentleness. His power and authority are on display as he reaches down from on high. There's a tenderness, and we see that as the psalmist writes, he took hold of me, he drew me out of deep waters. When Peter cries out to Jesus, Jesus responds. Jesus takes hold of him and saves him. But there's a second part of Jesus' response. Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Eugene Peterson translates this as, Faint heart, what got into you? In his response, Jesus points out the reason that Peter sank. Remember, Jesus' power was at work in Peter. Jesus' power was enough, but Peter doubted it. There was nothing wrong with the bridge, but Peter stopped trusting it. Notice the care and even the encouragement in how Jesus confronts Peter's doubt. He doesn't say, you doubted, but he lovingly asks, faint heart, what got into you? It's almost as if Jesus is surprised that Peter sank. There's no shame. Jesus welcomes Peter's cry and then responds by saving him and reassuring him. Now, I really appreciate this story about Peter. 
Peter's confident attempt to walk on the water reminds me that with my eyes fixed on Jesus, I can take steps that at first might have seemed impossible. Now, it would have been amazing as well if Peter had made it to Jesus, but I'm kind of glad that he didn't. Peter's sinking and his cries for help remind me that even though I might start to sink, I can still cry out to Jesus knowing that he hasn't abandoned me, knowing that he sees me, he's present with me, and he's encouraging me to come to him. But let's think for a moment, what if Peter hadn't stepped out of the boat? What if he, like the other disciples, had stayed safely inside? What did Peter gain from this experience? Or think about what if Peter hadn't cried out to Jesus when he sank? If neither of these things had happened, would Peter have experienced Jesus in the same way? Peter wouldn't have seen Jesus' power at work in him. He would not have felt Jesus drawing him up out of the water. When Peter stepped out, and cried out, he gained a deeper understanding of Jesus. When he had to rely on God, Peter's trust in God grew. Peter's literal step of faith and his cry don't diminish his faith in Jesus, but they deepen it. Jesus' response deepened Peter's faith. This response, full of power and assurance, but it was also full of grace. When Peter failed, Jesus' power and reassurance was right there to meet him. Jesus continued to reveal himself and his character to Peter. His invitation to come continued throughout Peter's life. Even after Peter denies Jesus before his death, Jesus invites him to come and have breakfast. Peter does. He sits with him beside a fire. The disciple who we see continually fail ended up leading the early church in Jerusalem and actually writing some books of the New Testament. Peter's encounter with Jesus in the boat was only part of a larger story. And Peter continued to step out because he knew that Jesus' reassuring and powerful presence were with him, offering him grace. Jesus offers us that same invitation. So where do you sense Jesus is inviting you to come, to step out? Maybe it's acknowledging Jesus' presence in your life for the first time. Maybe it's having a conversation with someone about your faith. Maybe you sense God's calling you to make a change in your life, big or small. Taking a step of faith means relying on God when you can't rely on yourself. So take a moment and consider what that step might be for you. Sometimes it's hard to see Jesus' presence in our lives. Maybe we could sense him with us when we started out, but now we're in the middle of the bridge, or we've stepped out of the boat and we're standing on the water, We start looking at the ground below, the swaying bridge, the rising waves, and we can't see his power or his presence clearly anymore. That's when we're invited to cry out, 
in those situations, I can remember that God is both powerful and present. I'm assured that he's not only with me in my failures, but he continues to love me. He's a God of grace. Recently, I've really appreciated going through the daily offices. If you're not sure what this is, it's a prayer guide that St. Peter's has put together. And one of the readings in particular struck me as I prepared for this sermon. On Saturday night, there's a prompt to recall your life story and thank God for the times he has shown you his goodness, redeemed you, and demonstrated his steadfast love. It also says we can thank God for what he is doing in the stories of those around you. I don't often take the time to think about how God has been at work in my life. But when I start to think of all the things he has done, it actually makes me excited for what he's going to do. I think of the times in my life when I really couldn't see how something was going to work out. And God provided for me. When I start to see the waves forming, I find that remembering stories of God's power and presence gives me the reassurance I need to move forward. It's been great to hear stories um, from others in our community, especially in the stories of renewal and the blog posts. So let's continue to share our stories with one another, share stories of God at work in our lives. Let's continue to notice Jesus' power and presence with us. Because when we tell our stories of stepping out and crying out to him, we help one another move toward Jesus. It helps us remember that he is a God who reaches down and takes hold of us. He invites us to step out in faith and he reassures us with his grace. So wherever you're at, if you're standing in the boat, looking out at the waves, know that Jesus' powerful presence is with you, inviting you to take a step. If you're standing on the water, feeling the effects of the wind, beginning to sink, know that Jesus' reassuring presence is with you, inviting you to cry out to him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you invite us to both cry out and step out. We pray that you would show us areas in our lives where we can do this. We pray that you would meet us there with your reassuring and powerful presence. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.